0: what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of ask pg Braun. and we have my round table with me today of uh billy gagliardo and ifb pro Standing gammon but i also have a special guest on the show and my special guest is uh trevor kurtzen who is not only a sarm expert whose show i have actually done before uh but just to give you a little background on him he's a chemical engineer And uh, he has done all sorts of research on different um, dietary supplements. Unfortunately, he's Canadian, but we still like him. Uh, We don't hold that against him too much. Um, But he uh, he is currently working towards his uh, doctorate in the field of exercise science. He is a former professional bodybuilder. Uh, He's done uh, international modeling, all sorts of stuff. And uh, like I said, He is a a friend of mine. I've done his podcast before. And with SARMs being such a hot topic right now, we've gotten a lot of questions on SARMs, and Sammy talked about SARMs a lot in his episode. I figured, you know, who better to bring on than Trevor? So, Trevor, thank you very much for coming on with us today.
1: All the way live from Winnipeg, Manitoba.
0: Was that a good enough uh, introduction for you?
1: That was... That was very flattering. Thank you. <laughs> good, good. The
0: So let's the get head. right into it. And why don't you explain to everybody what SARMs are for the layman's listeners?
1: Okay. So there's a lot of confusion on what SARMs are. So basically, steroids have a lot of therapeutic benefits if you think of them in a clinical setting. Someone with HIV or cancer or some sort of muscle-wasting disease, if you gave them steroids, that would improve quality of life, that would improve functionality. But the problem with steroids is that steroids aren't selective. So that also affect your liver and your prostate. So you wouldn't want to be giving someone cancer, someone that's going to negatively affect your liver. And then also there's the androgenic properties for females and things like that. So what researchers did is they basically said, hey, is there a way that we could make a steroid that would give them the therapeutic benefits and none of the side effects? And that's basically what SARMs are. So SARM stands for Selective Androgen Receptor Modulator. So what that means is that SARMs are selective they bind to the androgen receptor just like steroids do, but they don't affect your other tissues. They don't affect your prostate, your liver, or any of those other tissues that you don't want them to affect. Another nice thing about SARMs is that there's no androgenic properties. So, steroids have two overlapping effects. They have anabolic properties, which is just to build muscle, and then also androgenic properties, and that's to increase male sexual characteristics. So, testosterone, for example, 100 to 100 anabolic to androgenic ratio. That's why as a boy goes through puberty, he gets bigger and stronger, but then he also starts growing facial hair, his voice deepens, all that type of stuff. Now, for a man, if he takes an androgenic steroid, it's not really that big of a deal because he already has a lot of androgenic hormones in his body. He might just grow a little bit more body hair, sweat a little bit more, things like that. But for a woman, because she doesn't have these androgenic hormones in her body, she's going to get facial hair growth, she's going to get pectoral enlargement, a lot of these sizes, she's basically going to turn into a man, which is what we don't want. So that's the nice thing about SARMs, that number one, they're selective, and then number two, there's no androgenic properties so that you won't get any side effects from them.
0: So there's going to be so many questions that stem just from that statement alone, but I think to to best move this along the right way, and then I think that you'll answer questions uh, as we go along, we can get into, now that people have an understanding of what SARMs are, one of the things that... I didn't actually throw in the outline that, I'm, that I would like to talk about is what do you think about all the people who think that SARMs are a waste of time and say, well, why wouldn't you just get on steroids, which they obviously don't understand what SARMs are, but I get that a lot now.
1: So the problem with SARMs is that they're not regulated. They're sold right now as a research chemical. So what that means is that the company selling them, if they put for research purposes only on the label, they can legally sell whatever they want. It's an FDA loophole. So they could literally put urine in that bottle and put for research purposes only in legally cellulite. So a lot of people who are using SARMs and say they got nothing from them, most likely they got fake product. If you go on like Alibaba or whatever, and you look at the cost of raw hormones, testosterone is around $800 per kilo, whereas SARM, let's say Austrin is about $10,000 per kilo. So Austrian, so any, any SARM, Austrin, S4, um, RAD 140, whatever SARM you want to talk about, they're very, very expensive. So I think a lot of people are getting fake product. And then another misconception about SARMs is that because they don't cause any water retention, you're not going to get that initial scale weight. So if you were to use a very wet steroid, let's say you're going to use D-Ball or Anadrol or DECA, within two weeks of taking it, you're going to step on the scale and you're going to be 10 pounds heavier. That's not muscle gain. That's water retention. But because SARMs don't cause any water retention, I think someone would – Take an oral SARM and they compare it to something like D-Ball and be like, hey, on D-Ball, I gained 10 pounds in two weeks. On Austrian, I gained one pound. Austrian is way less strong. So I think that's some of the reasons. Um, another reason is that SARMs don't aromatize into estrogen. And to maximize muscle building, you do want a little bit of estrogen because estrogen sensitizes the androgen receptors. So if you actually want to build muscle at the fastest rate possible, you wouldn't just use SARMs, you'd use SARMs in conjunction with steroids.
0: Which I think that people are doing more. I mean, Sammy is a a perfect advocate of that. I I actually think that Sarms played a a humongous role in the difference in his physique from last year to this year. And especially from um, Canada to Texas. And I don't know how open you want to be about what you did from Canada to Texas. But you had a pretty thorough Sarm protocol, if you want to throw it out there real quick before we go farther into the discussion.
2: Yeah, I actually uh, talked to Trevor about this and uh, PJ and Billy. Um, Basically, I dropped a few other compounds that I was taking and I added in Rad 140. Which compounds did you drop? I dropped
0: Winnie Mm -hmm. um, and I dropped Trent. Which many people would be very scared to remove those two things. Yeah, that's almost like a a guarantee going into a show. And so you then did what?
2: I introduced YK11 at 10 milligrams and I introduced Rad 140. I had, uh twenty milligrams, and you did that for how long? I did that for three weeks, and you noticed what? A significant difference in conditioning, hardness of the muscle, more fullness, and then the last ten days, I added in twenty milligrams of S twenty three
0: oral. And then wh- how do you think? Of, what do you think of that protocol, Trevor?
1: I think it's good. Um, another thing about SARMs or steroids is that steroids are very effective. Like Trend, no one's going to argue Trend. Mm-hmm. Like it works very, very well. But because it's so it's so androgenic and it puts such a strain on your body that if you've been using trend for a long time your physique almost looks tired yes and you guys you guys know what I'm talking about like you'll see a really good bodybuilder does show after show after show and he almost just looks exhausted and it doesn't matter you know how many rest days he take or, what, or what's his diet looks like his body's just burnt out because he's using so many androgens So the reason why Sammy was able to progress at all those shows is that by using SARMs, there's no androgenic properties, so it doesn't stress out your body as much, if that makes
2: sense. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, when you're in cl- oh, your adrenal like fatigue, adding more caffeine. No, you got to titrate down and kind of cleanse yourself. You rejoice yourself with something new. It's hitting the body yeah. differently. Yeah.
1: It's kind of like someone, their adrenal glands are burnt out, right? So normally they would take one scoop of pre-workout, and that no longer works anymore. So then they take two scoops, and they take three scoops, exactly. and they take four scoops. And you're on this like... Vicious cycle that you're just gonna get you're just gonna dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole unless you give your body a chance to recover. So when you're using anything that's harsh on the central nervous system, androgenic steroids, stimulants, things like that, I'm not saying don't use these things, but you have to be cycling on and off of them. So that's why, you know, if you're using a stimulant-based pre-workout, take a week off of it and then come back on it, and it's gonna hit you like it never hit you before. Because your adrenal glands had a chance to resensitize. Same thing with steroids. I'm not saying don't use trend, but use it for a short period of time and then let your body heal. Switch your compound,
2: blitz it.
0: Um, can you overtax the androgen receptor with SARMs?
1: So this is something that's never been studied. This is a question I get asked a lot, is that because SARMs have a higher binding affinity for the androgen receptor. Mm-hmm. So I talk about this all in depth in the SARMs book but there's a KM value and basically the KM value is how is the affinity of a compound to bind to the androgen receptor. So LGD has a KM value of about one and testosterone has a KM value of about 40. So that means LGD will bind to the androgen receptor 40 times stronger than testosterone. So a lot of people ask, well, if all these SARMs are binding to the androgen receptor stronger than steroids, wouldn't the steroids then flow around in your bloodstream and aromatize into compounds you don't want and cause side effects? And that's a really good question, but, you have so many and receptors, in order for that to happen, you would have to be taking such astronomical dosages, I don't think you can actually physically do it. Mm. Like, I don't, like I don't think you can inject your body that much. So like theoretically it's possible, but in a real world sense, unless you're injecting like a vial of T400 every single day, it's not possible.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. Very. Um, so to get back into the basics of SARMs, because I want to try to cover as much as possible, when did SARMs really start coming to be? Because when I was competing, there were no SARMs. Nobody was using SARMs. I retired in uh, 2012. I had never heard anyone speak about SARMs, and then I started seeing them around 13, 14, with some of the first basic SARMs like Austrian LGD. When when did SARMs like where did they come from and and you know how did it all happen?
1: It was in the late 1900s that. SARMs started to actually be developed, So it was in the early 2000s that we started to do clinical trials on them. And I'd say it's only been about the last, I'd say eight years where, you know, people have actually started to pay attention to them, both as bodybuilders and in the academic sense. So basically, let's say about 25 years ago, people had this hypothesis that hey, we could make a selective steroid. So then it started to get developed, and then they started to do some rat studies. And then it's only about the last Fifteen to ten years, where people have actually been doing, you know, clinical trials with humans, seeing how these things work. So they're very, very new, and that's one exciting but also cautious area. Is that there's no long term studies. Mm-hmm. So everything, everything I'm going to talk about, there's very limited data backing it. So I'm kind of using my hypothesis on these of
2: things. Of course, it's more like
1: arms, like the newest times like YK11, there's never been a human study. So there's rat studies, and we have 99.8 percent identical DNA to a rat. But a rat is not a human. So these are the things that, you know, you kind of got to take with a grain of salt. I personally, and this is my hypothesis, I think SARMs are safer than steroids, but there's never been a long term study done. So in 50 years, we might look back at this and go, like, what the hell were we doing? Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe we were injecting these things into our bodies. Now, I just think that'll happen, but that is a possibility.
0: What SARMs have been tested on humans so far?
1: Austin is the most tested. Yeah. So if you. If someone listening to this podcast has never wanted to use SARMs before and wants, you know, to start with SARMs and wants the safest option, Austrin is by far the safest option. Carterin would be the second one. Now, there was one rat study that showed the rats that were given Carterin caused cancer. I talked about this in the SARMS ebook. They gave the rats Carterin for two years. So first of all, you have to remember that the lifespan of a Windstar rat is only about two and a half to three years. That'd be mm-hmm. That'd basically be like you, PJ, taking carter in your entire adolescence. So that'd yep. be like you taking it from age 18 to 80. Mm-hmm. And they gave them 10 times the therapeutic dosage. Okay. They gave them the human equivalent dosage of about 260 milligrams per day. Wow. Most people are using around 10, wow. 20. I've heard some people use 30, but 20 milligrams per day is kind of like the standard dosage of carter. So the toxicity of some over the counter drugs, like acetaminophen is actually only two times the recommended dosage. So. The fact that they gave the the rats ten times the recommended dosage for the entire adolescence, it's kind of like a no brainer that they would they would get side effects. Like take two times, ta- take ten times the recommended dosage of anything for eighty years, and you're going to get cancer.
0: What now, What positive effects happened to the rats in that time period?
1: They increased metabolism, they increased fat oxidation, they improved insulin sensitivity. My thinking is that. There was some foul play here. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking is that you know pharmaceutical companies want to patent these drugs and want to get them licensed as pharmaceuticals, because right now anyone can buy them as research chemicals. So what I'm thinking is that some scientist who's working for these pharmaceutical companies developed a clinical trial trying to get the side effect so that they can then get it off as, so then basically the FDA would ban them and then they could only be purchased as a pharmaceutical. That's what I'm thinking is mm-hmm. happening. Um, this is all hypothetical, no one really knows, this, but that's my personal opinion. I
2: mean, it makes sense, yeah.
1: cardarin is a PPAR agonist. Basically, a PPAR agonist is a fancy way to say it influences the genes in your body that increase fat oxidation, increase metabolism. Now, a lot of things that you take every day, fish oil, green tea, these are PPAR agonists as well. Cardarin, obviously, just being a drug, affects them to a greater extent. PPAR agonists are very safe. They improve cholesterol, they increase muscle insulin sensitivity. Like all really, really good things. Carterin could theoretically cure type two diabetes wow. because it decreases body fat, it improves metabolism, it improves insulin sensitivity, all things that you know, a type two diabetic doesn't have. So what I'm thinking is that in the next 10 to 15 years, Carterin is gonna get renamed something else. It's gonna be called like Lipozyme or something like that. And it's gonna be sold as a pharmaceutical.
0: That makes complete sense. And I, I first, see, first saw this coming. With SARMs uh, years ago, and um, you know, I'll say it again at the end of this episode: Blackstone Labs does not sell SARMs. Nope. We are just here for the topic of of discussion, discussion. and of course for the you know educational side of it. Um, but when I first started seeing SARMs, I did the most research myself personally on Austrian and it did seem, based on the studies that i had find, to be pretty safe. And I actually used Osterine very effectively at a dose of, I went up to 30 milligrams a day. And I had told people that I thought it was pretty comparable in many ways to Anivar. And I actually had many uh, women that I was working with that couldn't get their hands on uh, real Anivar, which often happens. And they felt that they could get their hands on real Osterine and use 10 milligrams of Osterine very, very effectively. And most of them loved it. Uh, And I did uh, see that they were doing some studies on Osterine for perhaps uh, bone density, perhaps uh, osteoporosis type things. So after I saw that, I assumed that we wouldn't see those things around for too much longer. But I do know the whole you know, clinical period of testing, you know, on human trials and whatnot does take a while before we see anything, you know, move to market. I have been waiting to see when we are going to see some of these things. So you th- you think that Carterine would, would most likely be the first one that we saw sold medically?
1: Probably like Carterin and Austrian, but for different things. Carterin right. would be for type 2 diabetes and then Austrian would be for sarcopedia which is a loss of muscle associated with age. Mm -hmm. And
2: then also with sarcopenia comes osteoporosis. They go hand in hand
1: basically. As you get older, your bone mineral density decreases and the amount of muscle you have decreases. So they would be giving Austrin to older adults as like a therapeutic drug. And then carterin they'd be using for weight loss and type 2 diabetes. So I personally think those two are gonna be the first two just because they have the most studies. But you never know, there might be a really big pharmaceutical company that develops a new one and they put so much money into it that they do, you know, like 50 clinical trials all at the same time. And then they get that one license first. You never really know. Mm-hmm. And with these pharmaceutical companies, you never know what they're going to do. They're very, they it. have their own hidden agenda that they don't release to the public.
0: Absolutely. So if somebody did have access to the proper doses of real Osterine and cardarine, what would be the effective doses for somebody you know, on the Austrian side looking to build muscle and on the Cartarian side, of course, looking for for those benefits.
1: So Austrian is very mild. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really recommend Austrian for a man unless your goal is just to improve recovery, yep. some joint injuries, things like that. Austrian is great for females. Like mm-hmm. Austrian at around ten milligrams per day for a female, you're gonna gain about five pounds in eight to ten weeks. You're gonna feel great, you're gonna have no side effects, your sex drive's gonna go through the roof. Austrian for females is amazing for a man unless you're using like a post-cycle therapy or unless your goal Isn't really to build muscle. It's more just body recomposition and things like that I wouldn't use it and then for a man you want to use about 25 milligrams per day For carterin you want to use about 20 milligrams per day 10 to 20 is what I would say So if you're a very small female maybe 10 but most people just use 20 and that's that's kind of like the standard recommend dosage now this goes on to a segue in that A lot of people now are experimenting with injectable SARMs. Mm -hmm. If you actually read the clinical trials on these drugs, 99% of the clinical trials is that they actually just injected the rats with the drug. Because it's easier to do, right? you got a rat in the cage, you inject it with the drug, you know what took it. Whereas if you try to mix it with their food or things like that, they might not eat all the food or things like that. So generally, when you're doing drug clinical trials on rats, you just inject the animal with the drugs. It's way easier. So
0: So are injectable SARMs far superior then? Well, injectable
1: anything is superior, right? That's, that goes for anything across mm-hmm. the board. If you take like a B12 supplement versus injectable B12, the injectable B12 is going to be absorbed better. Now, how much better injectable versus oral is, that's never been studied. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about SARMs is that they're not methylated. So that's a positive in that they don't affect your liver. But because they're not methylated, my personal hypothesis is that the oral absorption isn't very good. Interesting. and that's why anyone I think Sam you've experimented with both injectable LGD versus oral LGD most people when they're using the
2: injectable at the same dosage are noticing a big big difference it's huge it's a just injectable in general and arm is a significant difference in my opinion
0: so I have only used uh, myself personally I've used uh, ostrine at 30 milligrams during a PCT and I thought it made the PCT uh, far easier than it had I not had it, for sure, um, as far as my recovery and soreness and whatnot went. Um, I have used carterine at uh, 20 milligrams for about 30 days. And I actually noticed a, quite a difference as far as, as, as fat burning on that one. Um, I have used uh, LGD at uh, 25 milligrams a day, oral. Um, and I, I felt that the LGD was I was, I think at that dose, I was a little bit disappointed in what I got. But then again, I don't know, at the time, this is going back so many years, I don't really know what I could have compared it to or how good my source was. And I have used uh, MK, which I definitely noticed the water retention for sure, like the normal GH type of side effects. I also had real GH, so I thought, why not just stick to the real GH? the most profound changes that I've ever seen by far. And I will, I've said this before on my podcast before, to to any oral supplement that I've ever taken, and that goes for Anavar, Anadrol, Dianabol, Winstrol. S23 changed my body faster and in a more impressive way than anything that I have ever taken. And I did it for Thirty days and I did uh twenty milligrams for the first uh week and I had you know, Tony Huge had said he had gone up to a hundred milligrams. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll go to thirty. Uh so I went to thirty milligrams for two weeks, and that's when I was really, really changing, where everybody was like, Man, what are you doing? You're getting bigger and leaner and harder. And then the fourth week I went to forty milligrams and then I stopped. And when I stopped, it was pretty fast that I felt like I, I hit a major wall in the gym and I lost my like Superman ability in the gym and I definitely had a bit of a, a crash afterwards even though I am on HRT testosterone. It was considerably different um, and that led me to want to try the injectable S23. Now the injectable S23 that I was using caused me tremendous pain anywhere that I put it. And it was giving me fantastic results. But the pain, even in little micro doses, was so insanely bad that it was blowing up wherever I was putting it that I toughed it out for about two weeks and then I never wanted to touch it again. Um, and that's about as far I've gone into SARMs. I have messed around with uh, blends of... Uh, SR909GW uh, blends that I've thought have been great. Um, uh Trying to think if I've used anything else actually. You used a blend with Rad140. I know. did use a blend with Rad140 uh, when I was dieting that I, I did get, I got, I got pretty good results. I've always had the HRT base, which I think makes a big difference versus somebody that's just using SARMs. So I wanted to talk to you about breaking down the SARMs that are out there now, because that's what people are going to want to know. Like, what's going to get me jacked? What's going to get me strong? You know, what are the doses? That's the the main thing that people are going to be asking.
1: The two strongest SARMs are S23 and YK11. Mm-hmm. S23, um, this is straight from the SARMs ebook, instead of a peronitrile group, it has a cyanol group. So that allows it to be 96% oral bioavailability. So S23 is the only SARM that is basically just as good oral versus injectable. Glad to, to know to Interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> glad to know that now <laughs> after all that pain that i went through <laughs> i tried to explain well, that okay so mm-hmm.
1: the, the tough thing about making injectable sarms is that sarms are very delicate hormones testosterone whatever steroid you're talking about these are cholesterol-based hormones these are fat-based molecules so they're very very stable the you, you can cook it and like you, you basically can't
2: denature this hormone but sarms they denature very very easily so if, this,
1: if the saturation point is like 210 degrees Celsius, and you just get that up to like 225, you will denature the hormone. So SARMs are very, very difficult to make. Some are water-soluble, some are oils, some are oil-based. you got to know which oil you're using, too. Like, it's very, very complicated. So S23 injectable, it shouldn't hurt. Basically, whoever made that, you probably just got a bad batch or they yeah. didn't know what they were doing. Um, it happens, right? Like, if, if the saturation points 210, and you cook it up to like 225, Everyone makes mistakes, and then because S23 is so expensive, they probably didn't want to throw it out. So they just sold it, even though they know they, they know they screwed up. So S23 and YK11, those are the best oral bioavailability and the strongest arms.
2: That's what I was going to say. YK11,
1: that one's methylated, and this is a very unique drug in that it's almost like half designer steroid, half SARM, because it's a SARM, but it's methylated. So it's almost like you took windstraw and you took austrian and they had a baby that's mm-hmm. what like yk11 is and then <laughs> yk11 also influences myostatin so theoretically yk11 will make every drug you stack with it more effective
2: like resensitizing that, the out of all
1: out of all the sarms, yk11 is the one i'm the most interested in and yk11 is the one that i think is going to revolutionize bodybuilding the
2: most
0: and sammy How you have used YK11. I love YK. It's my favorite one. I know Tony Huge loves YK, but didn't Tony Huge also believe that he tore his hamstring because of YK11? So all this is okay, great point. Mm -hmm. All steroids, all SARMs,
1: they decrease collagen synthesis in the body. So it's very, very important that while you're taking steroids or SARMs, you supplement Mm with collagen. Mm -hmm. That's very, very
0: important. I think actually
1: all bodybuilders should be supplementing. What is your
0: favorite collagen supplement?
1: Whatever is cheapest. Because we
0: get, we get yeah. these – I get these questions a lot. A lot of women are show. buying like uh, – you know, they have like the bovine co- collagen supplements that you can get in, in powdered form at mm-hmm. like Publix. That's what I use. Yeah, And, yeah, you know, I that. Uh, there's, there's women that are just supplementing w- with it like crazy because they say it makes their hair grow longer.
1: Okay. So what's interesting is that collagen is made of endothelial and your hair your skin your the entire line of your cardiovascular system it's all made of endothelial, it's all made of collagen collagen is the most abundant protein in the body because everything besides your muscle is made of collagen your tendons your ligaments your bone your skin your, your nails everything's made of collagen so everyone would benefit supplementing with a collagen supplement the problem is, is that traditional humans you would buy it you you know you kill a chicken you eat the meat and then you use the, the bones to make bone broth and you make soup you ever talk to your grandma right she roast a chicken you save that carcass. You make bone broth, mm-hmm. chicken go soup, or whatever. But we're not doing that anymore. If you go to the grocery store, you're getting that perfect chicken breast. There's no tendons, there's no ligaments. No one's making bone broth anymore, so we're not getting collagen anymore. And collagen is the highest in glycine. So if you're going to be making bone broth or things like that, that'd be the best way to do it. But then, if you just want to supplement, just get collagen. Some people argue marine collagen is better than bovine collagen. In my opinion, that's a marketing hype. If you look at the amino acid profile, they're collagen
2: awesome. yeah. collagen's so cheap. At the what about
0: collagen, bone so. broth? People ask me if they should be supplementing with bone broth. It's the same thing, really. Yeah. I mean it's delicious. I,
2: mean, <laughs> I, would, I would say is I
1: would say don't waste your money on collagen supplements or bone broth supplements. Just go make bone broth you have a slow
2: cooker, throw some bones and some sea salt in the slow cooker for 20 Time
3: is money, man. Eat. So I'd rather spend the money, to be honest. <laughs> so I had a question for you real quick back to the S23. Um, so I took it coming off of a show this year. And I know we, you know we talk about SARMs being selective androgen receptor modulators. But I can't help to feel that when I was taking S23, I felt like a strong androgen-type surge from it. Like, it felt like I was taking... You know, like we don't even take trend. And, I did too. And you have that feeling, that alpha as fuck feeling. I had that from S twenty three. So if, if if SARMs have no androgenic qualities to it, why did I feel that?
1: Okay, great question. I should have I should have phrased that better. Negligible androgenic properties. So S twenty three and YK eleven do have some androgenic properties, but nowhere near the strength of like testosterone or something like that. So what you said is true. S twenty three and YK eleven. Those are kind of like the new, more cutting edge SARMs. It's like anything in life. We make a car, we want to make it faster and faster and faster and faster. So all of the newest SARMs are stronger than the first SARM. So Austrian was kind of like the first SARM ever to be developed. Very, very mild, pretty much zero androgenic properties. And then they made LGD, and then they made S4, then they made S23, and then they made YK11. S23 and YK11, I would not recommend to a female because they do have some androgenic properties. And because they're so selective, they're binding to the end receptor so well that that's why you're feeling so, like, anabolic and, like, almost godlike.
3: Yeah, yeah. that's exactly how it felt. Absolutely. It was, like, godlike.
0: Um, I, I loved S23. I did, too. Uh, I just had such a rough experience with the injectable, but now that I know that, I will, I will just, you know, when I run it Stay again, I'll oral. stick to the oral. Yeah. What is the optimal dosage for oral?
1: So, again, this is something that, people have never experimented with. So I just, I just want to say, I want to clarify one thing, is that any women listening to this podcast, all SARMs are safe, but don't touch S23 or YK11. Those ones do have some androgenic and properties, yeah. so those don't touch. Now, S23, most people are using about 10 milligrams per day. Tony has gone up to, I think, 50. He said 100, he told me. Generation iron transformation. yeah, People run 50. And people say, like, 50 mal- milligrams of S23. That's an absurd dosage, but... What dosage of Winstrol do most people take 50 so yep. it doesn't seem that crazy to me um i would say you know start at 10 10 would be kind of the conservative dosage and then work your way
2: up i don't think it's crazy i think it's just more of the, like there's the, obviously up going up to 50 milligrams is just more side of, more side effects in my opinion
1: yeah you increase the dosage of anything or you get more side effects that's that's 100%. there's like a bell curve response like as you increase your dosage, your results also increase, and then eventually it starts to taper off. And
2: you get the size of Stuff like that. What about. So it, depends, it depends on size, body weight, experiment, 100%. experience,
1: amount of muscle. If you're just a younger guy who's never really used arm, I'd start at 10. If you're like a pro bodybuilder, like Sam, he's got a lot of muscle and has like, you know, a lot of years training hard in the gym, I'd probably use like 30, 40, 50.
0: Good to know. Now, so if you were going to use. S twenty three and YK eleven together. What would be a safe and smart dosage of each one?
1: They're pretty similar, so I would pick one or the other and then okay. stack with OVD. That's what I would do. Okay. So the way, like, if you want to build muscle at the fastest rate possible, okay. you use a test. You use a steroid that aromatizes into estrogen, testosterone, the easiest. Yep. You just use a little bit, like two hundred milligrams per week. You basically just want a little bit of estrogen in your system to sensitize the androgen receptor. Mm-hmm. And then also, men need some estrogen for sexual function and things like that. So, you use like a hormone replacement in therapy dosage of testosterone. You use something androgenic, so that'd be like trend, and that's just to give you a lot of strength and aggression in the gym. You use an anabolic like LGD, and then you use something to lower myostatin like YK11. You use those four. And then, if you want to get even crazier, you use insulin and growth hormone on top. That's what we use in the generation Iron transformations and that's how we put forty three pounds of muscle on someone in 30 days yeah and we have to scans to prove it and I'm not saying do this because that guy he would work out and then he would lie in bed all day he was so exhausted like he was gaining muscle at such a fast rate he felt like a zombie like like it sound like it sounds like gaining 40 pounds of muscle in 30 <laughs> days like oh man' that'd be amazing but yeah. this guy he would work out eat and like lie like he would like eat lie down for an hour eat lie down for an hour work out. Lie down, like that's all he did was eat and lie down because he was just
0: so, so exhausted. That's crazy. That's cool though. It's gonna be enhanced too. I'm I'm certainly uh, intrigued more now. I was going to, at one point I was planning on, I mean, I haven't even, I haven't worked out in a couple of weeks, I unfortunately had uh, mono. And um, part of what I wanted to do when I came back was use some S23 again, but maybe I'll use YK11 instead.
1: They're pretty similar. I use one or the other. Um, YK11, I would say, would be better if you're stacking it with other things. But S23, if you're going to be using that as your primary anabolic, I would I would pick that. So like, let's say you're going to use one SARM plus carterin, then I would pick S23. But let's say we're going to use carterin, LGD, maybe some testosterone, then I would use YK11. So it depends on if you're going to be using multiple compounds or just one.
0: Yeah, I care the most about being lean. So, like most of these y- guys are trying to get bigger and bigger these days. I care the most about having the lowest level of body fat. I just really liked the way that S23 made me feel very strong and it gave me a very hard look.
1: I would
0: stack S23 with Cardarin and SR9009. Yeah, and I, yeah, I liked SR909 a lot. sr is
1: that, so, Cardarin is a PPAR agonist, SR9009 is a Rev or B Agnes. Very very similar things. Carterin influences the genes on fat loss more, where SR9009 influences the genes on mitochondrial on energy more. So SR9009 would be something that like an MMA fighter or a boxer would really like, because like his ATP it would just be going nonstop, it'd be crazy. But that's also good for fat loss because you don't get tired. You do forty-five minutes of cardio, you feel like you could do three hours. So depending on what your goals are, I'd use one of those or even both of them. Plus S S23, twenty three because S twenty three is a really good hardener, but honestly, all sarms are good hardeners because you don't
2: get any water retention. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, in my opinion, I think Rad one hundred and forty and YK eleven with GW and sr zero nine would be a little more beneficial for what he's going for, in my opinion. If I'm yeah, it, like with the test.
1: When it days. really comes down to it, there's it's it's kind of like you have chicken breast. Are you gonna eat brown rice with it? Are you need quinoa with it? or you need sweet potato with it? They're all good
2: Personal options. Personal
1: kind of just like pick what you want in that mm-hmm. meal. Um, for what you're trying to do, I would do Cardrin, SR9009, then pick S23, pick Rad140, or pick YK11. Everyone's different. Everyone reacts to drugs a little bit differently. I more love
2: the mental aggression you get a off of Rad140,
0: But I can use the oral S23 fine. Anything else you would suggest getting an injectable then? S23
1: is 96% oral bioavailable. YK11 is also very oral bioavailable because it's methylated. Mm-hmm. Now, because it's methylated, you wouldn't want to use YK11 for a long duration because it is liver toxic.
0: Yep. So
1: if you were going to do, let's say, a 12-week SARM cycle, I would say S23. You okay. can do it oral. You don't have to worry about injectable. I
0: usually run my stuff in shorter blasts anyway. So.
1: Yeah, then you can do four weeks YK11, four weeks S23. S2- S23, YK11... Cardarin, MK677, and Austrin are all very, very good orally. SR9009, LGD, S4, and Raglan 4 you want to
0: inject. 100%. So, the or- I'll, I'll the agree with that 100%. S4 seems to be the one that I've been hearing more questions about lately. So can you tell us a little bit more about S4?
1: S4 is interesting. S4, it often gets compared to Winstral. It's another really good hardener. You'll get strength from it, but you won't really get size. What's annoying about S four is that it also binds to the retina in your
0: eye, so you'll get this like weird night vision. I've like, heard that. Damn, yeah, that it's, scary. it's really
1: hard. It's something you can't describe with words. Um, you you just almost get this like yellow tint in the side of your eye at nighttime. It's not. It's not serious. Like as soon as you stop taking the S four, it, then it'll stop binding to the retina, and it and it'll
2: go It's like it, so it, so it, it's like if you were walking through a hallway you and, it. It. and you saw that yellow. Everywhere. For a lot
1: of people, I don't think S4 is the best option because a lot of people you know are working in the evening unless you have, you know, like a like a nine to five job where you go to the gym after work and then, like you're not really doing anything from APM p.m. on. I wouldn't use S4 because it is kind of weird. But S4 is really good for strength and hardening. All, all SARMs are really good for hardening. Like S4, Rad 140, YK11, S23, you're going to notice... Hardness to your physique. It's almost like winstrol because you don't get any water retention. There's no estrogen. There's no progesterone anything like that LGD is the only SARM you would get some water retention and then mk677 7, 7, you get water retention as well because that's an HH secretive off. So
3: if A-
0: someone is using um, Real growth hormone is there any point for them to take mk then?
1: Okay, so two different things so what a growth secretagog means is that MK677 causes your pituitary gland to increase its HCH output. Mm-hmm. So MK677 isn't growth hormone, it's causing your body to produce more growth hormone. Yeah. Whereas when you're taking growth hormone, you're taking the actual drug. Now, your body doesn't really release growth hormone during the day, it releases it in the evening. And it releases it in pulses, like basically while you're asleep, when you're doing your REM sleep, it releases a huge pulse of growth hormone. Your body doesn't really release growth hormone besides in the evening hours, and it doesn't release it as, like, a trickle effect. It releases it in, like, maybe two huge pulses in the neck. So the way you could use both of them is that you use growth hormone during the day. So maybe take it first thing in the morning, um, maybe take it again at lunch or whatever you want to do. Then you use mk six seven seven before bed, and that would maximize the amount of growth hormone your body naturally produces.
2: So basically, like, a 24-hour loop of growth hormone being outputted. Correct.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, I would say 20 milligrams of MK677 7, 7 would be equivalent to about four IUs of growth hormone. Growth hormone. So, yeah. for most people who are using growth hormone, they just want to get a little bit of fat loss, better recovery, better skin. I would say MK, MK677 What, 6, 7, 7 what can you eat. use Now, if you're trying to be the next Ronnie Coleman, then you'd want to use actual growth hormone in conjunction with it. But for 99% of people, I would say MK677 would 7, 7, replace
2: your growth hormone. Interesting. What can users uh, do to prevent the water retention? Is there anything
0: you would recommend or is it just diet? You can't
1: do anything. It's okay. like just like how growth. It's just a hormone. Yeah. I mean, if you're
0: using real growth hormone at four IU's or more, you're going to hold water. That's just the way that it is. Of no. course. Yep. Um,
1: now, now, the longer you're on it, the more your body is used, used to it. So like you'll gain a lot of water initially and some of that will come off, but you're going to retain water regardless. It's actually it's actually a good thing because it'll it'll cushion your joints and things like that. You'd want to obviously take it take it out two weeks before like a bodybuilding show or a photo shoot or something like that. But unless you suffer from high blood pressure, retaining a little bit of water isn't an issue. It actually probably a good thing for your
0: training. So women that are listening, best protocol for women. Let's just say between like bikini and we'll we'll say even like a bodybuilder a female bodybuilder. What what would they look at as far as dosages and, and SARMs because we're going to get a lot of those questions also
1: so here's here's the conundrum or however you want to say it is that i think something like mk677 is great for females because it would increase how their skin looks how their hair looks it would help them sleep it would help with recovery the issue is that's going to make your chance water and now with instagram a lot of females to look amazing of course every single day Right? So something like MK677 7, 7, I would say would be highly beneficial, but a lot of females wouldn't want to touch it. So for a female who's just looking to tighten up her physique, not really trying to build a lot of muscle, Carter and Austrian would be very, very safe. Um, Carter and Austrian is what I gave my girlfriend and she's really enjoying it. Didn't really put on any muscle, like didn't really put on any scale weight, but you can tell that she's built muscle, lost fat. All of her muscles look more defined. Um, her strength has gone up, her cardiovascular has gone up, no side effects at all whatsoever. She's using a very, very low dosage, 10 milligrams of carterin and 10 milligrams of ostrich every other day, but she's never used anything before. So I was like, Hey, let's start super, super conservative for a woman who's used something before. You know, you can do 10 to 20 milligrams of carterin and 10 milligrams of ostrich every single day.
0: 99%
1: of females listening to this podcast, that's what they would want. Yeah. Most females nowadays aren't trying to get you know super jacked up and huge. But we do have
0: like we do have certain women that are hard gainers that are trying to be like bodybuilders. And I had a girl who recently, she put on a lot of size. She was very very watery though, extremely watery, and she was doing twenty five milligrams of ostrine twenty five milligrams of. LGD. LGD and 25 milligrams of MK, and she had gotten extremely strong, put on a lot of size, but she looked like a water buffalo.
1: That is the MK that was causing all the water. Yeah, yeah. 20 milligrams
0: of MK for a female. Water. Figured that, yeah. Especially, a, I, I think it's at one dosage. She's
2: not even splitting it up. Yeah, and
0: so she was, was like one of those trinklets. Seven weeks in, but she's a, a women's physique pro that was trying to put on size. So this is a girl who has you know, used nandrolone before. This is a girl that she used winstrol before. It's a girl that she used Primbolen, or at least thinks that she has God only knows on the black market what a lot of these women have taken. That's probe. You know what I mean? <laughs> so
2: in my opinion, I just wanted to clarify this, like actually get this out there. Could that woman take five to 10 milligrams of S23? And it'd be safe if she's messed with other androgens like winstrol, um, nandrolone, stuff like that.
1: So, if I was her coach, I'm always extra conservative because the last thing I want is some woman to get emasculating side effects mm-hmm. and come back to and say, hey, you did this to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like when a woman takes Winstrol. You know, if she takes a low dosage, chances are she can get away with it. But you're venturing into dangerous territory. Yeah. Also, because she retained that much water, she might have got fake SARMs.
0: Absolutely. What a, lot of,
1: what a lot of underground sources are doing is that instead of LGD, they'll put something like SuperDraw in there which is, you know, really effective. You're gonna take mm-hmm. super draw and you're gonna be like jacked up and be like, wow, this stuff is awesome. But for a woman to gain that much water attention, I'm I'm you know, I'm thinking like maybe her source of the funk. It could also be diet related too. Like I I know like for example, I was just in Mexico with my girlfriend. I gained maybe like a pound in Mexico because we were at an all inclusive resort. I had maybe like two drinks per day. I'd go to the buffet and be like, Oh, this looks good, I'll have a little bit of that, a little bit of that. I didn't really eat to gluttony, whereas her it was like, Oh my goodness, like gonna eat this, eat this, like she gained fifteen pounds a week. <laughs> so maybe this woman, I'm not I'm not saying, but maybe because mm-hmm. she was on such a restrictive pre contest diet, maybe now she's eating a lot more than she should be, especially like nighttime eating and things like that. That could also be playing a role. Um, there's so many factors that can be influencing it.
0: Yeah, I mean there's definitely uh, of course other factors. I'm just curious. We women ask me a lot because women always want to get their hands on Anavar and I just think that in the gym, you're 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 very often just not getting real Anavar. Now the on the flip side, I wonder you know, are they able to get real SARMs easier? You know, that's that's a big question, you know, for me and that's even something that I that I wonder, you know, if you're not getting the SARMs, if you if you don't know what you're getting because you you know you don't know the the source, then you have no idea what what's going to happen to your body after that. I think for a guy, it's obviously a little bit safer than a woman randomly going to go try to take these SARMs. But you know we can't. You know people ask me all the time. They're like, "Where should I get my SARMs from?" And I always tell them, "I'm like, look, I hear that certain people get them from certain places, but I can't advocate anything." You know, that's the problem, I think, with stuff like that. Or, or what a lot of sources do is that it's like a Coke dealer, right? What they'll do is they'll send out an amazing
1: product the first year, get a huge clientele list, send out fake product for a year, and then close up shop. Um, I don't want any companies to throw a brick through my windows, so yeah. I'm not going to yeah. actually list any companies. But in the
2: SARMs ebook, I did HPLC
1: test to a couple different sources, so I, I go through that in there. A lot of companies are selling fake SARMs, and that's the unfortunate thing. And to be completely transparent, I don't think it's always the source doing it on purpose. I think it's their source in China that's screwing them. Probably. So I
3: think that's the next question. I mean, I'm almost positive you've probably gotten this question already, but there is word that China is now having a new trade ban on SARMs and on a lot of anabolic hormones. Um, do you think that that is actually going to affect the availability of those substances?
1: No. Steroids have has been illegal in China for 20 years. That doesn't stop them. They tra- Chinese people don't care. If, if you if you're going to pay them, they'll do it. Just like fentanyl. Fentanyl is illegal in China, but yep. you know where all the fentanyl is coming from. It's coming from China. Oh, they I know. Care.
3: I think that's why the bill was passed. What because? Yeah, of fentanyl.
1: it's basically it's basically China trying to clean up their image, saying like, hey. We know that a lot of these drugs are coming out of China. We don't support this. We're going to pass this bill. They're just trying to clean up their image. Not going to change. So what about the SARM Act?
2: Where's that at? So right? that will change. Um,
1: what's going to happen is that U.S. companies will no longer be able to sell SARMs. So then it's just going to be just like steroids. You not have to import them from China or other countries or things like that. But what happens is that HPLC testing is not cheap and it's not easy to do. If you don't. Know a guy at the university? You can't just contact a lab clinic and say, "Hey, I'm going to send you some S23 and test it." Like they're not going to—they're not going to take your phone call, right? They're going to be like, "That's a gray area. I don't want to touch it. It's not worth making 200 bucks. Don't ever call me again," right? So, what these companies do is they're just going to send you—you're going to—you're going to buy a sample, right? You say, "Like, hey, looking to do a long-term partnership. Can you send us 50 milligrams of ostrich?" That source knows that you're just testing their quality, so they're going to send you the best Austrian possible. You're gonna try that 50 milligrams. Maybe you'll send it off for HPLC analysis. You'll be like, "Oh, 99 pure. The source is great." Then when you buy a kilo, they're gonna send you crap.
2: So basically, it's just gonna mm-hmm. be, yep. Okay. So they want these you to trust people, the source. These people and... in
1: China—they don't care. Like, like they—if they're gonna sell fake eggs to their own citizens, think of what they're gonna sell some Westerners.
2: So these supplement stores carrying SARMS right now, or if they are SARMS or not, most likely should take them off their out there out of their inventory correct it's For hard to say like the, we all know
1: that the SARM's bill is going to go into legislation we just don't know when probably there will be like a 90-day washout period before it goes into legislation so they'll probably have 90 days to you know get rid of all their stock i don't think it'd be you know in legislation immediately i wouldn't be ordering anymore i'd kind of be selling off your inventory um i don't think right now they can prosecute you. you'd you probably just get whatever you have confiscated
0: hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Very
2: interesting. interesting. No, I, I wish uh, all you brick and mortars out there listen to that. Yeah.
0: Makes it good for our pro-hormones, though.
2: 100%. That's the point <laughs> of me asking that question. <laughs> uh, if
1: SARMs, SARMs are just going to be like steroids, right? Like, you just have to buy it on the
0: black market. Yeah.
1: And the unfortunate thing, like, SARMs are already basically black market, if you think about it. Some sources are selling really good stuff. Some sources are selling crap. You don't know what you're getting. And that's the scariest thing about bodybuilding, And that's the reason why I don't want to really take stuff anymore is you buy this stuff. Who knows if it's being real, who knows what you're actually putting in your body.
0: Yeah. That's why, you know, I tell these guys all the time, you know, I I am very fortunate that I have a doctor that will write me the scripts for the things that I want. I know exactly what I'm getting. I'm really not interested in, in trying anything else. Um, I did try certain SARMs here and there and I did get, very good results from some of the ones that I tried. And then I I had such a great experience with S23 that I tried the injectable. And like I said, it was just extremely, extremely painful. Um, and I've, you know, sort of taken a break from there. I, I have a lot of interest for sure. I'm curious of if people are out there now thinking that they're going to hurry up and run out and buy whatever good SARMs are left. You know, how much time do you think that? people have before the market is just flooded with crap and then and then it's just banned
1: I don't even like I'd say buying storms is just as risky as buying steroids you buy a bottle of anivar is it anivar is the D ball mm-hmm. is it a pro hormone who really knows it like there's there's no regulation because right now you can legally buy them but they're sold as research chemicals yep so you they can legally sell you whatever so what I would say is, you know, look for a source that has positive reviews. look for a source that's been around for a while. and if it's kind of like chicken. If chicken is around four dollars, like one source one one grocery store is selling for three fifty, one grocery store is selling for four dollars, one grocery store is selling for four fifty, you know that chicken costs around four bucks. If one grocery store all of a sudden is selling for a dollar, that should be a red flag. Like, hey, like is this stuff expired or like what's going on? Short and all the time, like, like, generally speaking, like a bottle of SARMs is around eighty bucks, around eighty to one hundred dollars, right? Depending on if you're in Canada, if you're in the United States, mm-hmm. what SARM you're talking about. If a website's selling SARMs for twenty bucks, that should be a red flag. Like, something's probably wrong with it. Yeah. So, don't buy the cheapest source. Try to find a source that you're has, cool. you know, lots of good reviews on it. Check on Reddit. Like a lot of people actually are HPLC analysis testing these things. Another thing you can do is that. Besides YK11, SARMs are not methylated, so you could run it for a week and get your liver enzymes checked. Mm-hmm. And if your liver enzymes go up, then you're not running SARMs, you're running some sort of steroid or pro That's good. So know. that'd be another thing you could do. But the unfortunate thing is there's not any home testing kit like Roy test. You really can't test SARMs unless you have HPLC analysis or you have an infra, infrared spectrum analysis machine, which are around $30,000, and you can't just buy them. Like if It's kind of like a tablet press. You can't just buy a tablet press. Doesn't it cost like
2: $7,000 to run a test, I think, correct, per compound? What's up? Doesn't it cost about $7,000 to run the test on the actual machine? No, no, no.
1: An an HPLC analysis test costs you nothing. They're just charging you for their time and
0: everything.
1: Uh, The machine's expensive, don't get me wrong, but you're basically just paying for a lab tech and everything like
0: that. In your book, you did show stuff that tested quality? Yeah, there was a
1: couple of sources that tested quality. Um, I, th- like, I think there are good sources out there. I'm not saying all the SARMs on the market are, are crap. I'd actually say there's probably more good sources than bad sources. I think it's just the bad sources that are kind of ruining the image. You know what I mean? It's kind of like everyone focuses on mm-hmm. the rotten apple. It's like one teacher molests a student, but there's a million teachers who don't molest student, yep. but everyone talks about the one teacher who did. So I think most of the SARMs being sold are actually – no genuine quality. I think there's just a couple of bad apples, and the nice thing is that with how quick information spreads on the internet, those bad apples get cleaned up pretty quick.
0: And your your ebook is called what?
1: It's sarmsbook.com. So It's and, me, So and Coach
0: Trevor and and that information is in there, correct? Oh well, hundred
1: well, percent free.
0: Our listeners should should go and check that out. I mean, all your SARM questions. If you want more. Especially uh, many, of, many of our listeners are going to wonder where to go and find them now. That's the one thing that I'm not really wanting to talk about on, on here. And there's a book out there for you guys to, to check out and see. Uh, I do have a non-SARM related question. Um, can you explain for our listeners what exactly is formafil?
1: Formafil is hyaluronic acid.
0: And... Do you feel that most of these guys that are coming out of, let's say, Kuwait, that are extremely round?
1: They're all full of oil.
0: And it is do you feel that it is this this particular oil?
1: Um. I think a lot of them. Okay, so Formifill is actually water based. It's hyaluronic acid. I think it's five percent mm-hmm. suspended in water. I probably shouldn't even know that concentration, but whatever. And that's when if you ever go to like, um, I don't like like a like a laser hair removal clinic, and they do like lip fillers, mm-hmm. or they do like cheek fillers, or things like that. My girlfriend gets her lips done, and it's just hyaluronic acid. I yeah. told her, Hey, I can cook you this and and make it. I'll, it'll cost you like ten bucks when she's spending like $400 on lip fillers. But it's all the same thing. And basically what it is, is it just swells. So it swells the muscle or it swells your lips, and that's what gives them those like full cool lips that you know a lot of women want.
0: And how long does it last for? A Couple months. So Four, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest, I went through a period where I used some formafil, and it actually seemed to work pretty good. It really did. And so um,
1: it's, it's kind of like a plus and a minus is that formafil, because it's water-based, it doesn't stay in the muscle. Yeah. So you're going to have to do it every three to four months to kind of be like your maintenance dosage. Mm-hmm. Now, the good thing about that is like, let's say you screw it up, that you get a lump, that's going to go away. It's pretty hard to screw up in this water base. Mm-hmm. But with oil, that's not going anywhere. That's in there unless you actually go to the doctor and get it drained or get it cut out. That's why a lot of guys using synthol, you know, they, they do their first couple injections, it goes really well, they get a little bit careless and they get this huge lump on their shoulder or whatever. So I'm overly cautious. Synthol, theoretically, is a better investment because it it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. But if you screw it up, you've got a weird-looking muscle for the rest of your life. Unless you actually go to the doctor and get
0: surgery and get that. Yeah, because the the formafil definitely did all go away. Um, What is the proper loading phase for it?
1: Man, that's such a loaded question because it depends on what muscle, how big you are. Yeah, and I think it also
0: depends on the desired effect that you're going for also.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't care enough to actually jimmy up my arms. But if I were to do it, you know, like I don't have that huge arms to begin with. So I'd maybe just put like half a mil in each tricep head, half a mil in each bicep head. Very, 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 very simple, right? Someone like Sammy, he's got bigger arms than me. So he probably want to do like a mil in each tricep head, a mil in each bicep head. Um, A lot of people will do like a mill in each upper pec, and we'll do that um, maybe like two or three times per week for about a month, and then we'll take like four months off and then
0: do it mm-hmm. again.
1: But
2: body it
0: does right? seem to yeah. cause
1: a muscle building effect. I think because you're swelling the muscle so much, you're stretching the fascia, and it's actually building the muscle. Like Tony swears that ever since he's filled his shoulders, his shoulders have actually gotten bigger. And he says like without the fill, his shoulders are bigger than when they started. Now... You could also say, well, you've also been training
0: multiple more years. Yeah. You've also been doing drugs for multiple more years. So was it that? Was it a conjunction? Who's to say?
2: But Formafil is very safe, so if you're going to do some sort of site-enhancing product, I would do Formafil. So no Synthol, guys. That's basically what he was saying.
0: Well, he was saying that done the right way, Synthol stays where the Formafil doesn't. But at least the Formafil is safe. So no, that's, that's my I've, point. I've
1: never used Synthol, but it would hurt like hell because you're injecting oil, you're not injecting
0: I mean, water. I used uh, painless pumps, which Palumbo used to advocate, in my rear delts when I was competing. And it made a tremendous difference to my rear delts. However, now I have major atrophy as well as uh, neurological issues back there. And I actually believe it's from repeatedly site injecting those areas. I have had injuries there as well, but I've had a number of doctors. Um, Scratch their heads over what has actually happened to that part of my shoulder, how strange it is.
1: They might've had some sort of preservative in there and that's what would cause the atrophy. I like, I like, I don't know how painless pumps is made. I don't know who's making it, but it's kind of like with steroids, oil doesn't like bacteria doesn't grow in oil. So Mm -hmm. in order to make unsanitary gear, you have to really not know what you're doing.
0: A lot of these labs are putting in crazy amounts of BA and DB
1: because they're like, well, I want to make sure this stuff is sterile, so they're putting in like way too much, and that's what's causing the inflammation and the post-rejection pain and everything. And you're injecting a preservative into your muscle. Like, that's destroying the muscle tissue, basically. So that's what I think is they probably added some sort of preservative to increase the shelf life. Makes sense. And that's what caused atrophy.
0: Yeah, yeah three makes years. a lot of sense. Well, we've covered a lot on SARMs. Is there anything that you feel that we really missed that you want people to know today?
1: um so sarm's book you can thank tony for that we both get bombarded with questions on sarm's on a daily basis so tony basically paid to have that book written just because he wanted to put this information out there
0: really Ah, oh another thank you to tony we love tony over here anyway so Tony's a very generous
1: guy um he's actually too generous the problem is if tony had his way no one would ever buy anything. You give everything away for
0: free. Oh, I know another guy like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he and I get along so well. Yeah. But
1: the, honestly, that's why we wrote the Simon's book is that it's free. There's like, like people are things. accusing me of trying to monetize it. But I'm like, how am I trying to monetize it? It's free. Um, I'm not saying buy my training program or anything at the end of the book. It's just information.
2: It's just a fucking PDF you download, dude. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's, it's very it's, informational. Honestly, it's, I mean, it's it was almost great. like you know some
1: coaches will give out like a free workout program They kind of say like, "Hey, yeah, like, they
2: try to sell their ebooks."
1: Yeah, or whatever. Try to build their following, or whatever. Like, it's it's free, no strings attached. You don't have to buy anything. We're not going to like build your. You don't have to. It's put just in your credit you
0: guys are name. putting out information. That what are be. you most interested in right now, besides SARMs? Um, I think the sport as a whole is really going to change. I think a lot of
1: people are getting sick of bodybuilding and the way the sport's headed and i think i think it's gonna be a big 180 i think it's gonna go more into like fitness modeling and physique type things hmm. um instagram has really killed bodybuilding in that no one really goes to bodybuilding shows anymore it's depressing that if you go to olympia every single year
0: it's smaller so i think i would agree with that Media icons like the rock and things like that they're going to
1: rejuvenize bodybuilding but it's going to be different it's not going to be in the posing trunks anymore I think it's gonna be more about athletics. I think it's gonna be more about like a fitness look. I think bodybuilding is gonna really
0: change in the next I 10 feel classical think. keep his hype, to be honest. Uh The Rock has his event in uh October, the Athleticon event. It should be very interesting.
1: I think he partnered with Daniel and Bailey on it.
0: Really? I did not know that.
1: I think I saw it on, I think I saw it on a poster. I don't know. But the problem the problem with bodybuilding is that there's no money in it. Like all yeah. we have is a couple supplement companies supporting it. We need something mainstream because then big companies like Coke, Nike, Adidas, then they'll sponsor it. Compared to like Coke, optimum nutrition is like
0: nothing. Of course. So that's the reason why bodybuilding is dying is that if you look at CrossFit,
1: if you look at any sort of athletics, they've got big sponsors. They've mm-hmm. got Nike, they've got Reebok, yeah. Yeah. they've got Coca-Cola, Gatorade.
0: Why do you think? Nobody really wants
1: to get associated it's with It's because
0: bodybuilders it's are very, very blacklisted because of the drugs. Yes. But at the end of the day, all athletes, are although girls. CrossFit female CrossFit athletes look like, you know, poster childs for steroids. But, you know, once the whole baseball scandal went down, we could I don't want to get into this right now because it's a whole topic for another discussion. But once this, the, the scandal in baseball went down with Patrick Arnold and Mark McGuire, it all really pointed at the bodybuilders and then bodybuilders became these big drugged out bad, bad people. And media started going away from bodybuilding more and more and more and more. Now you can also combine that with the fact that many of the big sponsors just don't really like the direction of where bodybuilding has gone. And so they've pulled out of the big shows as well. I love bodybuilding. That's why I sponsor all the big shows too. Also I feel like I've gotten to live a pretty awesome life minus all the FDA stuff thanks to bodybuilding. So I give back for that reason quite a bit but I do understand why many of the sponsors have left. I think
1: with the internet though, a lot of people are going to start to realize how prominent sports performing drugs are. Um, We also just did a documentary with with, uh, national geographic and in national geographic, the document, the documentary was all about doping in sports Mm -hmm. and there was professional wrestlers, professional football players, professional hockey players who all came out and admitted to using performance enhancing drugs. Now, depending on the sport, they use different drugs, but everyone's doping in some way. So what I think is, I think this whole taboo associated with bodybuilding is kind of gonna blow over because we're gonna eventually realize every professional athlete is using performance enhancing drugs.
0: And then what and needs it, to happen, it needs to be properly regulated, so then it's accepted, and then people can appreciate the fact that it's making all the sports better. And then I think that's when the world is a great place. I don't know when we'll ever see that. I mean, I started taking steroids back in 2003 and it was a lot different back then, I will tell you that. And um, it is a lot different now. Of course, there are many, many doctors now that are doing HRT, which there was none of that back then. when I started back then. Um, so it's a much, much different world now. I still think that people really frown upon performance-enhancing drugs. I think that people that appreciate the sport, there's a divide where people are often on one side like, I don't care, I just want to watch a good match, or I just want to see the best perform. And then there's of course the negative side that looks at it as cheating. So once we get to a point where everyone is allowed to do it the right way, and, and it is governed the right way, then I think that it could be fantastic for everybody, um, but it's just a matter of how far away are we from them? That
1: being, like, you look at the NFL, if you look at NBA or NHL or mm-hmm. like that, kids are watching these games. So yes. They don't really wanna promote it. Yeah,
0: absolutely, drugs,
1: like ten year olds watching them. So
0: that's or,
3: exactly what I was gonna say.
0: But we all that know better know that Ray Lewis wasn't using deer antler when he was getting better and better when he was getting older. You know, Roger Clemens wasn't getting better at baseball as he was getting older and older without all these performance enhancing drugs.
3: Well, I think so too, that a lot of these other athletes we see don't look superhuman. A no. lot of them look just like normal dudes. Yeah. But when you see, you know, a guy who's two hundred and fifty pounds shredded yeah. on stage, it's fairly obvious yes. that he's using performance enhancing drugs. So I think with our sport that it's just it's such obvious drug mm-hmm. use that it's it's
2: easier to to shy away from it. Yeah, but they don't see the hard work we're putting in. No, like but I
0: mean, it's still the actual drugs themselves are looked at so negatively. If you look at Lance Armstrong, he was America's hero for so many years, and now he's a uh, like a villain. Mm-hmm. And it,
1: it's a it's a double standard because any professional music artist, they're all using recreational drugs, of course, but we we'll still go see them perform. Mm-hmm. And so some rapper who's addicted to cocaine or whatever that's okay but someone using testosterone isn't
0: that's right crazy
3: yeah it's, it's, that's a great point and if anything they flaunt that shit mm-hmm. they flaunt it and it's like almost cool that they flaunt it yeah people flock to them because they flaunt that shit
0: yeah i'm waiting for a rapper to start like yeah, flaunting right. about SARMs or something—that'll be interesting. <laughs> Yo, all these kids, that shit, man, plugging up the butts. Oh, no, I'm joking Well, Trevor, thank you very much for coming on the show. I think we, we we banged out a lot of important information in a good amount of time, actually. Yeah.
1: Um. First thing I say is download the SARMsBook.com. Honestly, that explains ninety-nine percent of the questions the listeners are going to have. If you guys still have questions, I'm super accessible. My Instagram which is my first and last name. My website is my first and last name There's a contact form. Um, me and Tony were answering as many DMs as possible. Like we get bombarded on a daily basis, but that's why we wrote the Sarns book. Is that the Sarns book answers questions better than we could type out on an Instagram
2: DM? Like it's, it's literally an uh, instructional yes. manual to beginning SARMs to... So you've read it, obviously. Yeah, I read it three times. <laughs> Come on, man. Ask, ask Trevor how much I've been bombarding. Hey, when's the SARMs
0: book? Has going? Sammy been bothering you a lot?
1: After the SARMs book got released, not so much, but before that, oh my goodness.
0: He gets second. very uh, obsessive-compulsive <laughs> over things.
1: Well, it's interesting. The problem is that there's not really a lot of information out there and that if you go on PubMed or whatever and you download a clinical trial it's an academia lingo that a lot of people don't really understand. Of
0: course, And I
1: hate that. I hate that we can't as researchers, we can't just write things in normal tone of voice. We have to make everything sound so tight, scientific and smart to boost our own egos. Like it just drives me nuts. that you have to like call adipose tissue lipolysis. You can't just say fat burning, right? Like it's,
0: I don't get it. And I, I will uh I will shout out Gorilla Chemist, who I love and I I have always said good things about, but what often would happen when we were having discussions with people is, you know, he is such an intelligent guy, but he never would laymanize the things that he was explaining. And so I would often have to kind of jump in and be like, Well, what he means is and then people would be like, Oh, okay, and I would I would like gorilla, you know, you're so smart, but not only are people like losing what you're saying, but they are—they're almost like thinking that you're like a weirdo because you're going off onto these long, chemical, like unnecessary explanations. Like people just want like their fast answers. They're losing interest, yeah. you, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm
1: interested in the chemistry, so I get it. Like he wasn't doing that intentionally. Is that it is really really interesting?
0: But it's like it is. And like- when when we used to put out our our content with him, we would put out a product and we would put out his explanation that would be like a 30 minute video and there would be a few people that would be like i really really enjoyed that video i myself really really enjoyed those videos but then i would put the same video out in like three or four minutes and people would be like oh i I get it now based on that and that's just the way that this world works you know that's just it's like english versus spanish yeah if you don't speak english
3: well i mean like bob the bodybuilder like doesn't really fucking care about the chemistry most of the time
2: he just wants to know what's it going to do how long
3: is it going to do it and how long should i do this for
0: that's 80 percent really of your listeners your clientele so look like we we want to know the chemistry no matter what anyway we want to be able to understand it we want to be able to understand our bodies of course but even breaking it down to supplements people just want to know to me, they're like, well, what can I stack with this because I'm trying to lose weight and I'm trying to get stronger and I want yeah. this to happen. They just want their, their fast answers so they know what to go to right away. hundred
3: percent. When I first started working in the call center, I would go on these like lengthy explanations of our products. And then I started to realize that I could have condensed that to maybe like three, three words, yeah. you know, maybe like a sentence. And the, this sale could have been done a long time ago, you know? So, I think for the the general public, the simpler the better.
0: But we do appreciate, uh, we absolutely appreciate the chemistry. So you have a
2: fine line with that. You have a, like a good balance, Trevor. Where are?
0: Yeah, you uh, actually I, explained it very well. I actually, you, you, he does. He, he's he's fantastic. That's part of the reason why I wanted to have him on here. Where are my last question? Where are most of the clinical studies being done outside of the United States? Okay, I to
1: answer this. I gotta go. I got a meeting at the university. of 4 what's interesting is that a lot of the clinical studies are being done in Europe and Europe's medical system is completely different than the North American medical system. I was actually originally going to med school, but then once I started to research the curriculum more, I just didn't want to do it. And actually the life of a medical doctor is really
0: boring. Mm-hmm. You're basically meeting old people and refilling blood pressure. Yes. <laughs> but, but anyways, in
2: Europe, it's almost like holistic nutrition,
1: right? Like they still write prescriptions don't get me wrong, but in Europe, the doctor can actually write you a prescription and go on a walk, and you can take it to like a provincial park and get it for free. Mm. And you can like if a doctor prescribes you exercise, you can actually go to the gym and get it for free. That's like, cool. You're completely different. It's fascinating. So North America, for whatever reason, is kind of stuck in their ways and very hesitant to bring on new information. Like cholesterol is a terrible biomarker of cardiovascular health. Ninety-five percent of people who have a heart attack get perfect cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Now something called a DPA machine, digital pulse rate analysis, that actually tests how elastic your arteries are and you can see how much plaque is in your arteries, which is much more important. Seeing how much plaque is in the arteries Text me is that, much more important that, than your that, that, that
2: cholesterol. Test. Now,
1: in Europe, they actually do this as part of the regular screening. Whereas here in North America, we're still doing cholesterol, cholesterol, cholesterol. Some people say this is because of the pharmaceutical companies own the medical system and they want people to be taking more
0: statins, cholesterol
1: and... medication, statins. I just think that we're kind of slow here in North America. I, like, I like obviously pharmaceutical companies play a role, but I don't think, you know, that this is the work of the devil or anything. Mm-hmm. I just think Europe is a little bit more into like organic and sustainable. Like that's just more Europe where North America is economy, 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 economy. Right. So all of these clinical trials, most of them are being done in Europe. Um, a couple are being done in Asia, a couple are being done in Canada, but 99% are being done in Europe.
0: Wow. Good to know. Trevor, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, we'll have this one up sometime next week and um, we'd love to have you back on another time. And I'll shoot you a uh, a message anyway to thank you.
2: Thank you, Trevor. Sure. Take care, guys. Nice thank you.